You are now listening to Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, Todd Fox, and Gabby Gap. Police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims and killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them, and that he was also a necrophiliac. <laughs> Hey, 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 we're back, guess what, welcome to another episode of the Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, along with Gabby Gab, and today narrating will be Todd Fox, that's right, but before we get into the show, we want to let you guys know where you can find us, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, just type in Grinding True Crime, there you can follow our page, like our page, leave a comment on our page. And subscribe to our page, and we'll get back to you as soon as possible, and we appreciate all the love and support you show. If you want to just listen to us on your podcast stream, just go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, Podvine, and Zencaster. And for those outside of the U.S., you can always listen to us on Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser. If you like what you hear and you want to be a Patreon member, you can download the Podbean app and click the link, and there you can follow our uh, and be a Patreon member. And we appreciate all those who are already one, and we appreciate all the love. With all that being said, listener discretion is advised. We do get into details that can be graphic and maybe not suitable for children, but if you like that stuff, you're all ears. And just a quick uh, let you guys know, sorry we were not on the last couple episodes, um, as you guys know, it was a death in the family with me and Gabby Gap. Uh, so it kind of put us on the back burner for a few episodes, but thank you, Randy and uh, James for filling in for us. We appreciate it, but we should be back to normal on, a, on, uh, with me and Gabby Gap on the shows. So we appreciate all the love and support that you guys messaged us. We thank you and, uh, we're back. So we hope you enjoy. With all that being said. Let's turn it over to Todd Fox so he can break down the story for us. Todd, you have the floor. Thank you, sir. Um, well, tonight's st- show uh, we're, and story, we're going to get into someone that's very famous. Uh, and it's not famous uh, as far as like a comedian or an entertainer or something like that. You can kind of call him an entertainer, but he's a sports figure. So it's more up Maddie's route in this one. Oh. Yeah, so there's a lot to unpack here. There's go- it's going to be um at the end a little spoiler alert up for debate on if you guys believe it or not. So we'll go we'll go there. So uh get your thinking caps on. There's a lot of details here and uh we'll start this story off in Philadelphia. Mm. And it'll be uh May 15th, 1969. Uh, a group of teenagers are kicking it in the uh, pretty rough neighborhood and they're, they're gang members and uh, they're, they see a rival gang member uh, by himself. So three on one, you kind of like your odds and that's how the gangs run over there. And then oh, yeah, slipping. Oh yeah. Yeah. Catch him slipping basically. So he's the kids in the wrong area at the wrong time. It's one of those type things where if you watch a movie 
it happens all the time. You get like a kid that like, oh crap, he sees these other kids and he's getting chased and he's in a rough neighborhood. And this is, it fits a movie scene. Just picturing a kid going through these alleys, these abandoned buildings, trying to knock over trash cans and create obstacles for the kids that are following him. And unfortunately, it's not one of these ones where he's just going to get beat up. He knows if he gets caught, at worst, he's going to get put in the hospital. You know, you know what? You know what movie first came to my mind when you said Allie and getting Boys in the Hood. Yes, yes. It's my, yes, it's it's just like that. And unfortunately, this kid, it's almost the same thing with the exception there's no gun involved in this one. Um, mm-hmm. The kid makes a wrong turn mm-hmm. and he runs right into a brick wall and in the alley. And he, in a futile attempt, tries to grip and jump the brick wall. But his later on when they found him, you know, he, his fingernails were torn because he was trying to scratch <laughs> off and try to hold on to the grip, try to grab some grip of the brick you know that's how that's how hard and how scared this kid was and um me chills yeah yeah his fingernails were literally ripped off um marvin greer would be the man or the young man uh at the time was 20 years old he stabbed the kid repeatedly in the back as he was trying to climb the wall and um the, the the young kid falls to the ground and bleeds out. Um, fingerprint analysis would lead the police right to him, and uh, Marvin Greer was arrested. And, uh, you know, at the time, 20 years old, had been in, in and out of gangs since the age of 15, uh, was raised just by his mother, you know, all the tell, tall tale signs of just a, a juvenile that had no fatherly direction. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and with him, though, excuse me, um, he had fathered three kids by this time. Dang. By 20? By 20. Dang. And with three different well, women. I mean, that's possible. Well, with three different women. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, and they were all boys. They were all boys. So here's the thing, though, and this is why I want to ask you guys if this is plausible or it sounds right to you, or do you think something's fishy? Okay. Just two years later and a year and a half after he was sentenced to pretty much 25 years for the murder of the young 18-year-old boy, Mm -hmm. he dies of, quote, unquote, natural causes in prison. Yeah, right. What do you guys think of that? BS. Yeah. I mean, he's young. That don't make any sense, but I'm glad he did. There is no mention of any foul play, guys. There's no mention of poisoning, no mention of him getting stabbed, nothing. It's just on his death certificate, it's listed as natural causes. A 20-year-old. Okay, but what are you going to list as natural causes for a 20-year-old? 22 like, at that what time. are those natural causes the man's not 80 or 90 exactly and that's that's a big problem when people did research onto this and even his sons later on including greer's mother and everybody else that was involved their voices were never heard they didn't have the money to fight it or find out if there are any more details but the prison that's all they gave natural causes nothing else 
Mm-mm. So, okay. so he's, he's passed on. His three sons were born. He never saw his youngest. Um, the oldest was Marquan Gordon. And Marquan Gordon would grow up on the streets of Philadelphia, same same neighborhood as his father. Um, and in the mid-90s, he was one, one of the most notorious gang members in the Philadelphia area. Um, he was a part of what they call the African-American mob. The so, African-American mob? Yes. <clears throat> okay. He was uh, tangled, up, tangled up in extortion rings with intimidation same thing kind of um he would uh rob other gang members other money um he laundered money uh there was also a couple homicides that were contributed to him he was a bit of a hitman too for hire Mm -hmm. so by the time he gets locked up uh and, and indicted for everything he goes to federal prison in in uh in the mid 90s uh at the age of only like 20 three i want to say and he was mm-hmm. sentenced to 140 years gosh Jeez. well he ain't getting out yep mm-hmm. that was his that was greer's oldest son mm. so, so um here's here's these his second son his second son uh was uh was 17 years old at the time of this whole thing and he was playing in a summer league and uh in 1991 and uh, it was a championship game and his his coach said hey you know what i'm benching you for the other guy and he didn't take too kindly to this and he got on his bike and he rode his bike all the way down to uh the house and he wound up picking up um a tech nine because he was gang affiliated at this time. Mm-hmm. He came back to the summer league gym where it's a packed out gym. It's a championship game, rides his bike into the uh, auditorium, pulls out his tech nine. And as they're playing the basketball game late in the game, blasts the player with over 10 bullets that replaced him in the game. Yo, he spraying. He sprayed the one kid. He took it against the kid instead of the coach? Correct. What the hell? Yep. Dang. So at seven... The coach said. Exactly. The kid had nothing to do with it, right? But the point of this story is is that Greer's two sons had big-time tempers, and they were following after their father, apparently. I don't know if it was in their genes or what it was, but this kid did the same thing his father uh, father did, the same thing his brother did, and he would go to jail for life. He would get, uh, yeah, he would get life with no parole. Oh, well, That's of course. what I was going to ask you. Is this just something common where they grew up, everybody's gang affiliated, or this is just a family thing? I mean, the cycle continued. They didn't have a father in their life. Yeah. I mean, I know men that have never had a father in their life, and it doesn't make them killers. In fact, it teaches them responsibility. Yeah, but they were already caught up in the game. Yeah, because on, on all these houses, unfortunately, guys, it's the mother that usually has to do double duty. And if she's working mm-hmm. two jobs and can't support or, or can't give mm-hmm. that fatherly 
advice, can't give the 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 groundings, stuff like that, the teachings, the kids are left to the streets and the streets raise them. And that's the problem mm-hmm. and that, and that happens in the black community, the white community. It's just mostly um, in your urban areas where mm-hmm. the father's just not around. The fathers are, are, are not uh, responsible and yep. just relationships that shouldn't have bared kids, but they did. And that's, you know, the grandmothers and the mothers are the ones left over, you know, that have to raise these kids. It's unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. And it's a repeated cycle. Correct. So mm. let's get to the third son. And here's where well, maybe. I, oh, go ahead. No, I'm going to say maybe he can share some light in that Greer family. No. <laughs> I get the feeling this third son's going to be the worst of all. Well, the third son's going to be not what you think and then he's going to be shrouded in a gang of mystery even to this day oh so that's that's the whole thing with this one so uh greer would have another son obviously and the third one would be uh a famous a player i'll tell you said this about about this person he said you could take the the man uh out of in uh you could there's a man in indianapolis and there's a man in Philadelphia. And that was said by one Peyton Manning. And Ooh. we're talking about Marvin Harrison. Oh, okay. I know him. Yeah. Marvin Harrison was the third son born to Marvin Greer. Get out. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Mar- Marvin Darnell Harrison was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, August 25th, 1972. So he was, he was still in mom's belly when, uh, when his father died so he or 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 when his father went to prison i'm sorry so um so harrison grew up on the uh, north 24th and west thompson street he was just two years old when his father passed away in 1972 Mm -hmm. a decade later his mother linda moved him and his sister to the northwest section of the city raising two children she already had a daughter by another um another man she worked two jobs to make ends meet marvin would take it all in and eventually develop the discipline and work ethic that made him a legendary receiver in the national football league uh some two decades later uh he started playing football in the streets of philadelphia on concrete and uh which was very dangerous which he had some injuries and got roughed up a little bit but uh, from the age of 13 onward, he worked at a busboy as a busboy at Friendly's Restaurant. And then in his high school days, he worked several uh, summer jobs, including hauling equipment, mowing lawns, uh, painting football stands, and cleaning locker rooms. So mm-hmm. he would make in, in, in one summer, and this is good for like around the, I think he was, this was probably late 80s, early 90s. He was making about forty five hundred dollars uh, uh, in the summertime. Oh, that's not bad. It's not bad at all, man. Yeah. So he's he was making some good money for an entire summer of work. He was he was hustling, but he was hustling the right way, the legal way. Mm-hmm. And unlike his other two brothers, Marvin would attend a Roman Catholic high school in Philly. His mother re- uh, worked really hard, unlike uh, his other half brothers' mothers, who didn't get much help. His mother had to uh, pay for the uh, role of both mother and father the, with the two jobs to help keep both of them off the streets, including his sister. 
And uh, by doing this and her dedication, she kept him uh, either working or uh, excelling in sports, which he really thrived in basketball and football, while his sister was a cheerleader and also had after-school classes to keep her off the streets as well. So the, the two were doing good at this time. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the nuns and priests in the Catholic school wanted Harrison uh, to go to the University of Notre Dame, which he had an offer. Which, if you don't know, Notre Dame here in America is a school in Chicago uh, or outside Chicago in the Illinois area. It's probably one of the most famous NFL or college football teams out there. It's very Mm -hmm. religious, very Catholic. Uh, Movies made about the college. Very famous. The Fighting Irish. Yep. The Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Um, He even had, uh, back in the day before... Uh, the coach of Penn State got his got involved in that controversy with the kids and everything. The Nittany Lions was a was a very popular school too, very religious. And the priest said, "Well, if you don't go to, uh, you know, Penn, Penn State's not too far from Philadelphia. You can stay in state, stay close to your family." And uh, he turned them down too. He actually went to Syracuse, New York, to a pretty poor team at the time. The Syracuse Orangemen. Oh wow! Yeah, he I played mean, basketball. They're pretty good, but not yeah. football. Exactly, football. They're pretty bad. <clears throat> but um, despite this, he he went there, and he played from ninety two to ninety five, and mm-hmm. uh, so four years. The first year he wasn't all that great, but showed some promise. But the next few years, uh, he would record, uh, set records for touchdowns and receiving yards. And he had a huge uh, game to end his college career against Clemson, which he he scored four touchdowns and was pretty much the player of the game. And that got him a lot of notice by the NFL. So Mm. in the 1996 draft, I know I'm getting into some sports here, but I'm kind of losing Gabby on this one. But (laughs) yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Gabby's quiet. You know, you got my attention. man. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I know my audience right now. <laughs> but, but trust me, Gabby. I'll be like, back. is Gabby still there? Uh, yep, Gabby's lost already. <laughs> <laughs> no, trust me. I'm gonna I'm get. You're, you're gonna get back into the story. I just got to get through this football stuff first. <laughs> Take your time, man. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, she's like, he's talking another language. Um, <laughs> like, damn it, haven't we seen enough? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. She was happy the Super Bowl was over. She's like, not more football. <laughs> So uh, in 1996, the Colts of Indianapolis drafted um, when he went professional. And uh, he got drafted by the Colts. And he had a really good rookie season, 800 yards. Um, Mm -hmm. But then the next season, in 97, the Colts would have a terrible draft or terrible season. They would have the worst record. And uh, I think it was Jim Harbaugh uh, retired after a year or something. And uh, yeah, they, they missed the playoffs. And in 1998... Peyton Manning, which most people know, was selected as their first round pick. And automatically, those two guys went and set up all kinds of career numbers together. They were just like, you know, Manning to Harrison was like the the go-to saying when the Colts played because they were just a one-two punch every time. Mm -hmm. And the Colts would routinely make the playoffs with those two at the the, uh, leader's of the Colts. Uh, they got to the Super Bowl in 2006 and won the whole thing. Uh, between the two players, they had 128 total touchdowns together. 
and uh, he had been na- named to the Pro Bowl, which is the hall like the uh, the All Star oh, game for yeah. football. Yeah, uh, eight consecutive years. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2007, 2008, he had a bunch of injuries for the first time in his career, which was uh, ages 35 and 36. So he was getting up there in football years, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you get past 35, it's very hard to stay in the league. Mm-hmm. So 2008, his knees gave out, and he, um, you know, he had all the stats to be a, a future Hall of Famer. And everyone's like, "Oh, Hall of Famer! He won a Super Bowl, you know, um, good guy. Always, you know, never, never ruffled a feather with anybody. No one had a problem, right?" <clears throat> so, this is a guy that literally, when guys would say, "Hey, we're gonna go out and have some beers." He's drinking like a V8 or some juice. Like he's straight edge. Doesn't smoke, doesn't drink. You know, he's he's not he's not one of the guys. He's very, very quiet. Very he's the kind of guy that he, you know how like most football players will score a touchdown. They do dances, they spike the ball. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They rub it in the other player's face. They taunt the crowd. Harrison would score a touchdown. And just flipped the ball to the ref. Yep. Walked off the field like nothing happened. Yep. That was Very just true. him. Yeah. That was just him. Okay. So far, impressive. Not a yeah. cocky person. Not nothing like that. Not at all. Now, now that the sports is almost over, I got a couple couple things that still relate to sports, but these are two incidences that get your eyes, your eyebrows raised. Okay. So in 2002, um, Peyton Manning was throwing footballs with Marvin Harrison in the cold. They were in New York Stadium, the Jet Stadium. It was about two hours before the game, so you have no pads on. You're just throwing around the ball in your workout stuff and trying to get a feel for the field and whatnot. Few fans are starting to come in. The media is on the, on the field. And the punter for the Jets by the name of Matt Turk is punting the ball, and he punts it a little too far. And the ball comes down, and it comes over by um, by Marvin Harrison. They have these kids that are about 16 to 18 years old who shag the balls for the punter. They'll throw it back to the punter. So this kid gets the ball, but as he's trying to get it, it takes a weird bounce and starts rolling towards um, Marvin Harrison. Now, Marvin Harrison's just standing there. The kid goes to run and get it. He runs toward him, but then veers off. So he's not going to hit him, but he's just like, oh, okay, you know, he gets the ball, runs away. Marvin snaps, and he runs after the, the kid and says, hey, what's your business, man? He starts cussing him out, like, what's your problem? You trying to run me over or something? And then the kid's like, no, 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 sir, like, like just calm down. He's like, what'd you tell me? And Marvin Harrison grabs the kid by the throat. Whoa. Whoa in front of everybody and raises him off the ground. Oh, dang. This kid's up, you know, Marvin Harrison's 185, but he's kind of muscular. The kid's about like 102, but he's raising him with one hand to where there's security guards and two off-duty police officers have to come over there, including a couple players, to separate the two and get the Marvin's hand off the dude's neck. Dang. So yeah, that happened, and the police that okay, were there. Hold on, you you need to explain something to me because clearly I'm not a sport person. Mm-hmm. These kids are not part of the team. They're just there to pick up the ball and give it back to the punter. It's just like the ball boy. 
Okay. They're taking shots. They pick up the ball and give it back to the shooter. Okay. Because I'm trying to picture like how much bigger he would be or he's way older than him. Yeah. yeah. These, are, these are like teenage kids. Um, maybe some of them are 18 and older. By that time, they did have a couple teenagers, and this was one of them. And these guys would also help bring equipment in from the outside, like from the buses or yeah. the locker rooms, like towels and medical equipment, you know, stuff like that. All right. Got you. Sorry. Go on. No, no, you're good. You're good. Um, How did I not hear about this? It, well, it wasn't a story that was pushed too much. So this, uh. is, this is 2002. So it's not social media blown up. That's true. That's true. So security at MetLife Stadium did not like this. And they saw that the kid about 30 minutes after had Mars, uh, marks and bruises around his neck. Mm. And some of the coaches from the Jets were really pissed off. And, and uh, the security wanted to file charges and get him arrested. And the Jets, uh, I guess the people in charge and the Colts were like, no, 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 let's let's not make a big deal out of this. You know, we'll pay you some money to shut up and. You know, like, like, don't make, the, you know, he's a big star. You know, maybe he's just having a bad day. And oh, just, that hush money. Yeah, they, they brushed it under the rug. And then you wonder why so much crap happens afterward with these people. Just let them get off with whatever the hell they do. Yep. It was all in the name at that point. And then they always say, you know, when something happens in the NFL, you got to protect the shield because the shield of the logo. Well, this was another thing where, hey, let's protect the shield. This is going to be bad for business. Let's not talk about it. Mm -hmm. But it was documented in a couple of newspapers at the time, but it didn't hit mainstream media. So with that being said, you fast forward three years later, it's 2005. And one of the years where they're in Miami or not Miami, Hawaii for the pro bowl for the all-star game, uh, the best of the best go there. The fans of each team go there to, to, to watch their favorite players from their favorite team play against all the best of the best. And um, they're over there, and it's a day before. Marvin Harrison is walking from a club to back to his hotel, and he's with a buddy. And uh, these three teenagers, again, they're about 15 to 16 years old, come up to Marvin Harrison. They, they recognize him, and they're like, Marvin, Marvin, oh, man, that's awesome. You were my favorite player can I get an autograph? And he says, Hey, you know what guys? Not right now, man. I'm, I'm walking back to the club. And he goes, thanks though. And he's polite about it. Right. But kids being kids, whether you want to say it's right or wrong, they're going to ask again, maybe. And mm -hmm. according to witnesses, the kids asked again, the same way they had before. They didn't call them names. They didn't do anything else like that. They asked again, Marvin snapped again. Mark mm. began punching and putting the kids in a headlock while the other one did the same thing. And when they'd knock them to the ground, they started kicking. And it wasn't until some parents from across the street started yelling at them to stop. Marvin and his buddy took off and ran the other way. Dang. What the hell? So he definitely got some PTSD somewhere. In his... PTSD of what? I don't know. Something. It's in the blood. Something. Yep. So three days later is the Pro Bowl, and he scores two touchdowns in the Pro Bowl. And this is not even uh, a other than the, the local police making a report about it and it getting on ESPN two years later. <laughs> it wasn't reported. Mm. Swept under the rug again. 
some more hush money. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so Harrison, after his retirement in 2008, um, he opened up, he went back to Philly. So, cause his last contract, he cashed out for $67 million. So at this point, he's worth about with his total earnings, about $120 million for his career. Yeah, I was about to say that. Yeah, just, just for his NFL career. That's not including the endorsements or player money they get for being a part of video games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So he That's has not some fair. What'd you say? That's not fair. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> to play a game? It's not. Being such a douchebag just because you're good at a sport, give that position to somebody who's decent. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, that's life. Yep. No, that's stupid companies that never actually stand for what they represent. Oh, they do. It's just not the players. It's no, their don't. company. <laughs> that's what I said. They don't. Because if they did, the automatic thing in my mind to do is if somebody's acting stupid or being violent, you're out. Yeah. You're not good for us. There has to be a code of conduct, but. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's, yeah, not cool. Not at all. So what he did is, here's the thing, too. Whenever you think about crime and and you have, you know, sports people or you have people that left the the areas that were dangerous to them where, you know, you know, pick, don't go back to your roots. If you know it's a dangerous area, go somewhere where the neighborhood will keep you st- the way you were when as an athlete or at the best of your best of your life, like some, some places you don't need to go back home. No. And Marvin Harrison went back home. Ooh. Yeah. He bought a place not too far from where he grew up. He also bought a uh, bar and renamed it to playmakers, brought a bunch of uh, uh, memorabilia from his playing days and other players and put it up there and made it a real cool sports bar. And then he bought a uh, car wash. So he had two businesses. He felt he was given back to the community by bringing jobs and interest back into that rough neighborhood, right? Ooh. Sure, until so they piss him off. Well, let's see what happens. Because the kind of guy that Marvin Harrison is at this point in 2009 is still, he's well-respected. He's a guy that will go and help the kitchen staff when they're overwhelmed and by washing dishes, you know, hey, great guy, right? Seems like it. Yep. But not so much. In 2009, an, a, a, name, a guy by the name of Dwight Dixon. Remember this name because there's going to be a Dixon and a Nixon. So, <laughs> trust me. Uh, it's, it, it might get a little confusing, so you got to stick with me. On <laughs> All right. Because even I was confused writing the script out. So. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, Dixon was a 300-pound guy. Big dude. Hey. Yeah. How tall was he? Uh, he was 5'11". Okay, about 6 feet, 300. All right. That's kind of big. Yeah, kind of big dude. Um, Dixon was well-known in the area uh, as a drug dealer, and his mm-hmm. name was Pop. Mm. So Pop? Pop, yeah. And I don't think... Uh, Pop relating to soda. It was more like shooting a gun. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, because of this, uh, Dixon um, saw playmakers 
and uh, you know he wanted to make a play in his bar. He 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 came in there with a couple buddies. Um, they were at first cool, and uh, they they lit up a few joints in Marvin Harrison's bar. And uh, again, this is Marvin Harrison who ironically opens up a bar with food and also alcohol, but he doesn't partake in alcohol. He just he still drinks juice and and shakes. He's in water. That's that's all he's into. He's about his body. And uh, what's that? No, I said, okay. Oh, yeah. So he took it as an insult when these guys came in there and were passing around drugs and also smoking weed in his bar. He got pretty pissed. Mm. So Marvin comes over to him and tells him, hey, you need to get the F out of here. Like, I'm not going to put up with your crap. I don't want no drugs in here. You're you're automatically banned from my bar. You need to get out. And so Pop looks at him like, who's going to make us? And then Marvin's like, these guys. And he has like two or three bouncers, and they proceed to push Dixon and his buddies out of there. So unbeknownst to Marvin, he doesn't know who this Pop guy is. So... Pop comes by a week later to his to his uh, car wash and demands to get a car wash. And not only a car wash, but a free one. Free one. Because he feels slated and disrespected by Marvin. And he's like, I want the full thing. I want a wax job. I want this. So like one of those $100 details. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, give me one of those, mother. You know? <laughs> <laughs> And uh, right away, you know, Marvin's called. Marvin lives just down the street. He comes down there, and they get into another confrontation. <clears throat> and um, he's like, you know, there's pushing and shoving and yelling. And then finally, you know, his bouncers come again. And that dude's like, all right, man, I'll see you around. I'll see you around. So he just drives off. So fast forward a couple weeks later. It's April 29th, 2009. On a Tuesday, the corner of 25th Street and Thompson, about seven blocks north of Philadelphia's museum where the famous, hey, yo, Adrian, Rocky, you know, <laughs> <laughs> runs up the, the stairs. You're um, so disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, I can run really fast, man. I can go up the stairs and run. <laughs> you leave Rocky alone, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man, I had to throw that in there. <laughs> so uh, there's this uh, Hispanic uh, grocery store, which is closed at the time. And uh, it's vacant lot, you know. Uh, Marvin winds up confronting Dixon again. It's not too far from his bar, but he's got his friend Hal McRae there. It's a big dude. And uh, he's with him. And so he had Marvin's only 185 pounds. So he's still thinking that, man, you know, like if he pulls something, I got McCray here with me, you know, I, I'm, I'm not scared of this guy. And so um, Dixon is like, you know, trying to talk mess with him. McCray kind of walks off to the side while Harrison and Dick and Dixon are almost butting heads. McCray sucker punches Dixon in the back of the head. And he knocks the big 300-pounder to the ground, which Harrison and McRae are now jumping him, punching him oh, repeatedly, oh. kicking him in the stomach. You know, it's 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 looking pretty bad, right? That's not good. Not good at all. Mm -mm. So 
as Dixon goes down to the ground, he looks like semi-conscious, and at the, it looks like Harrison and McRae kind of grab each other, and they're like, "All right, he's had enough." You know, they, they kind of turn around and walk away. So Dixon gets up, and there's this man by the name of Robert Nixon. Here's the Nixon, and Robert Nixon is like one of these old heads. He he's a hustler. He's like in his late forties, and um, he's watching from across the street, smoking a cigarette. And he's like, "Ha ha, drama!" You know, he's laughing about it. You know, he's not gonna, he's not one of these guys gonna run over there and give help. He's just like, "Oh man," you know, <laughs> instigating it. Yeah, he's like, "This looks cool, man. I think I'm gonna get off on this." It's like one of those world star like guys that just record from across the street, <laughs> like Smokey. You got nothing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't gonna help out or nothing. He's just he's just enjoying himself, right? Yeah. So, uh, so uh, he's um, you know Pop is getting up now and he's shouting insults and our boy Nixon's over there laughing, probably like, man, that's that's some funny stuff right there, you know. And um, Dixon gets to his car, the Pop, and starts it up, throws it in reverse, and tries to run over McCray, and oh, he wow. he barely misses McCray. So as he's, you know, Mrs. McCray, McCray has to duck out of the way. Our boy Marvin Harrison pulls out two nine millimeters from the back pocket of his pants. And he begins firing. And he shoots and hits uh our boy Pop in the in the hand. It goes through the back window into the hand. A couple other bullets are hitting like the tire, the back of the car. Dixon ducks down, starts driving, not looking where he's going as he throws it into drive. And all of a sudden, Nixon, who's enjoying the show from the side, becomes part of the show because he has to duck into like a little like doorway because Nixon goes up on the driveway and nearly runs him over. Dang. And so Nixon's on the ground for a minute. Pop drives by. Harrison's running past the Nixon on the ground, still shooting. Like unloading hey. both clips on the nine millimeter gun. And it's to when the shooting finally stops. Dixon uh is is gone around the corner. Harrison grabs uh McCray off the ground and they run back to his car and they take off. Nixon's sort of just playing dead because he can't believe what happened, and he's like, Man, that kind of hurt hitting the ground. This ain't funny no more. And he gets up, and all of a sudden, his back starts to tighten up. And he's thinking, oh, crap, did I, did I pull something? And he reaches back to his back, and he looks at his hand, and he's got blood on it. He was shot. Ooh. Yeah. So keep that in mind real quick. Uh, the police get there, and as they're talking to Nixon, Nixon is like, nah, man, I don't know nothing. Like, what shooting? And they're all like, sir. Uh, we people what? saw you, people saw you jump out of the way. <laughs> a car nearly hit you. There was a guy passing you with shooting a gun. Who was he? I don't know nothing about nobody. I didn't hear no shots. And they're all like, and they're he, like, sir, you got a bullet in your back. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, he's an officer. He's like, he's like, he's like, I'm always in trouble with the law. They're all like, we don't care. What happened today? He's like, I didn't see nothing. The that man is red. That man live by the streets and die by the streets. He ain't snitching. <laughs> yeah, and this is a guy who, granted, 
he never told the cops until later that night that he was shot so he's playing it off like he's not shot even that's how hardcore this guy is Jeez. <laughs> some may say he's stupid some may say he's a g i don't know yeah it's how you look at it right it's how you look at it now here's here's another one though so he wasn't the only witness thankfully for police right across the street there was a guy there was a guy who because later on nixon will tell the police that i didn't see i did indeed see marvin harrison i recognized marvin harrison shooting at a local drug dealer by the name of pop and he had to do that because when you go to the hospital and they see you've been shot it's an automatic hey we're calling the police they got to follow a report we got to figure out what happened to you type deal yeah mm -hmm. so once that happened he implicated marvin harrison now keep that in mind Ooh. but there was another guy we don't have his name, but he was in a car, <laughs> and he's a, he's also across the street. He hears the gunfire and sees the gunfire. He bells out of the car like a hero, right? Mm -hmm. And goes behind a building so he's not hit or anything. The problem is he had a two-year-old with him who he left in the car as the bullets were raining on his car. Oh. What? Yes. Don't tell me. Well, thankfully for his son, uh, now I don't know if you want to say thank. Well, thankfully he wasn't killed, but the kid, the little boy, had to go to the hospital and he had to file a report as well because of that. He was going to keep his mouth shut, but he filed a report because they had to take him to the hospital. The gunshot hit the rear window, including the passenger side, and it shattered the glass all over the little boy, and he had cuts from the glass. Mm. So this hero left his two-year-old son in the car instead of grabbing the two-year-old and then running. That's a deadbeat right there. Oh, yeah. Total hero, Todd. <laughs> By the way, I know crash. this is off topic, but I get this is important why they teach you when you're firing a gun to use both hands on the gun. Because you said he had two knives and he's unloading the clip and he didn't hit his target but one time in the hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he hits southern. And people. then he hits—he's hitting glass tires and stuff. No wonder he was a wide receiver because he couldn't be a quarterback. That's number one. Number two, keep both hands on the gun. I'm not advocating violence, but Jesus, you suck at aiming. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing for that. That's just too good. I, nothing. <laughs> That's too good. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those where they tell you don't Im imitate Hollywood. You know how they hold the yeah. gun to the side? It's never Hold accurate. the gun to the side. That's the horrible way. Of it. And me and Gabby gone to several shooting ranks, so, you know, we, we're pretty good with the gun. And we never hold the gun sideways. Never cock. No, man. That's not Anyways, my bad. <laughs> no, no, no. Needed to be said. Needed to be said. Don't hold your gun with one hand unless you have to, and he yes. didn't have to. <laughs> now I, I don't know how many Johnsons are in Philadelphia, but you make the call. Is this Johnsons, or is this Johnsons that just don't want to implicate someone that they feel is from the community and has done good for the community, and they don't want to incriminate a famous person? Okay, I'll let you guys decide. Now the police would find out it was marvin harrison 
And later the next day, they would go to uh, they would go and to to Marvin and find him at his club, and they said, "Hey, Marvin, uh, you're being implicated in a shooting, and we'd like to investigate." Do you own a gun? And he says, well, officers, I'm putting my hands up. I have a right to carry, and I have a 32 caliber on my person. So they find the 32, and they're like, well, this isn't doing anything for us because we were told you had a 9 millimeter." And he's like, mm. he's like, whatever you're talking about, sir. So he played dumb, and uh, one of the detectives said, you know what? He frequents his mom's house a lot. Let's go check with her. And they go to the mom's house. And by this time, she's remarried. She's, you know, obviously it's been years. And she's he has a stepfather now who's a very devout Muslim who does not like guns. So the father, the stepfather happened to answer the door. And right away, as the cops, before they even said anything, he said, and I quote, I know why you're here and I know where he hit him. Want him now? Dang. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He led the well, <laughs> to where he was hiding the two guns. Dang. Yeah, just like that. All righty. Yeah, so now you have witnessed uh, testimony, and you have the guns. Now it's time to test the bullets to the uh, the guns. And lo and behold, bam, they match up. Yeah, signed, sealed, and delivered. Case closed, right, Johnson? Yep. Let's book them, Daniel. Not enough evidence. <laughs> what? Not enough evidence. Well, I can see why they said. No, I'm joking. What? I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to flip out right now. And- <laughs> oh man! <sighs> Not enough evidence. What more do you want? I mean, you don't, well, they said witnesses saw him, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, with the two nine millimeters. With the two nine millimeters. The stepdad said, "Here, he hid them, found them, tested them. Those are the bullets. That's your person." Correct. Well, they don't know if it was actually him. It oh, could have been dear. You know, it could have been nighttime. Marvin Harris is dark skinned and you know it could have been any other black guy in Philly. So that's my argument. Case dismissed. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, here, here's what happens. Here's what happens. So. The two, the hero dad that left his two-year-old son mm-hmm. decided to recant his testimony and said, I don't want to be a witness. Okay, you don't mm-hmm. have him. Then Nixon was okay. like, well, the bullet's out my back. I'm a G. I don't cooperate. I'm not going to give you my testimony either. Then Pop, the guy who was shot, he had to file a report too when he went to the hospital for his hand. He said, I don't know what you're talking about. Of course, he going not snitch. So they all reneged, and but you still have the bullet evidence, which mm-hmm. is a clear sign. And mm-hmm. nothing. Mm-hmm. <sighs> wow. They dropped the case. on purpose wannabe Johnsons. I'm um, like maybe they uh, obviously the they you know they recanted their uh, testimony and stuff like that. But they still had the shooting. Obviously, there was a shooting. They found the bullet fragments, and they found the gun. So, like you said, they still should have at least, um, you know, pressed the issue with that. And they didn't. And they were also wondering why he had several alibis. 
people from his businesses and friends and family were giving him completely different alibis and the police were like man they're just they're they're dicking with us and when they brought him in they're like if you're innocent why do you have a lawyer and he said well why shouldn't i have a lawyer i don't want to get incriminate myself in something i didn't do and he was just playing very passive aggressive and the and the detectives were like damn we just and the district attorney and the, the the detectives wanted to push for him to go to trial at least and the district attorney was like no nah, we just don't have enough evidence we don't have enough witness testimony this this could wind up costing us money you know he's a high profile player and they wound up dropping all charges wow yeah mm. so that is not the end of the story oh i know it ain't i'm sure pop got some revenge well here's what happens what 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 do you think happens? You, so you're saying Pop got revenge. What about what about you, Gab? Oh my! I do think he tries to, and I'm gonna say that Harrison, with this behavior he has, is gonna end up killing him. Okay. Well, I think Pop tries to get his revenge, and instead of getting Harrison, he gets somebody close to him, like a friend or that or that other guy that that punched him. Because he's the one who initially sucker punched the or game. Or his mama. Could be. Okay, let's see if you guys are right. <clears throat> We're going to go to May 2nd, three days after the shooting. Our OG, Robert Nixon, he has a change of heart. He contacted the police, and it went against his instinct, but he felt he was out of options. He was scared. According to Nixon, who spoke uh who spoke in November after his first interview to the reporter, he was scared because he had been contacted by people from Marvin Harrison's group. And these people offered to pay for his surgery to remove the bullet because obviously he couldn't pay for that. He didn't have insurance at the time. And if Nixon stayed away from the police, he said they might compensate him. And it said he was ready to make a deal. I really wanted it to be over. But then according to Nixon, he was summoned to a meeting in West Philly, specifically the woods across the street from the Philadelphia Zoo at 2 a.m. Oh, heck no. <laughs> yeah, come, on, come over here and get paid. <laughs> Throw him over to the lion. Yeah, Nixon shut off his phone that night. The next thing he knew, news of the shooting was all over the papers. And the voicemail was filling up with threats. And it was there was voices saying, you think you slick, we're going to kill you. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, he said there was no way for Nixon to know if his threats were serious or not. He told me that was the problem. Nixon was a low-level hustler. He was overweight and and just scared with eyes uh, hidden behind heavy glasses and a low scratchy voice. Even his transgressions were small time weed, cough syrup, pills. He was a nobody he felt in the neighborhood and he knew it. He had no one to back him up and uh, he felt that he would get more than a uh, what is it, a bullet in the back if uh, he had gone to the zoo that night. Mm. So. um he was on May 3rd then Robert Nixon sat down with detectives and prosecutors at the office in, in the Philadelphia district attorney. And this is going back a bit after they decided to drop the statements. This is Robert Nixon um, trying to set up a deal 
with a district attorney because he had originally told them, no, I don't want to testify, but now I will, but you got to put me in freaking witness protection pro, uh, pro protocol, you know? So, um, <clears throat> there was a problem though, that the cops who originally took the case were finding inconsistencies with his story with the story of the man who left his two-year-old there, with McCarthy's story, with Pop's story, and there's just all these different things. The only thing that was matching up was the bullets, but the, the interview was just all over the place, and it was frustrating the cops and the DA, so that was part of them not wanting to push for for it because they felt like they couldn't trust any of these, these witnesses. Mm-hmm. Because they were thinking, okay, if we're going to take this to court, we've got a hustler with a record and a small-time drug dealer. We've got a sort of kingpin in the neighborhood, Pop, who was shot. You know, we got McCray, who's a two-bit, uh, who's in crime, who was a bouncer, who doesn't have, who has a shady past working with Marvis, Marvin Harrison. And that guy wasn't exactly on the up and up as well. He goes, we just got a lot of people we can't trust right now. And, and, and how's it going to look towards the 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 um the jury how's the jury going to look at this uh-huh. so the district attorney because of that she's just like you know on january 6 2009 this is almost a year later she decided uh leanne abraham uh she decided to drop all the charges so that's why all the the, the charges went away and you know it was they all declined to do the story. The The father of the two-year-old just declined. He stayed out of it, too. So they were done with this, right? Mm-hmm. So um, <clears throat> here's where it gets a bit rough as we close out this story. Um, on January 28th, three weeks after uh, Abraham's press conference, one of her deputies uh, prosecuted Pop for making false reports to the police. So... Um, the district attorney winds up fire, giving him six months of uh, well, a probation. He was locked up for one month, and he got six months of probation. And uh, he was briefly incarcerated, like I said, for a month. And he was, and so his pop's mom was upset. You know, she's like, "How does, how does my son get shot?" And he he goes to jail while Marvin Harrison's out there just being a free man. And he had a point. <laughs> yeah. And, and she, she would tell the, the news that um, the neighborhood's laughing at them and uh, saying that he got punked by Marvin. Like every, mm-hmm. let the streets know. Mm-hmm. So Pop made it a point to eat breakfast every day at Chopstick and Fork, a diner on 28th and Garrard. Half like, oh, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's like a southern place, man. Bro, what you saying? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this one's a half a block though from Playmakers. Now there's an ESPN outside the line uh episode where they talk about did Marvin Harrison shoot you? And uh Dixon's on there and he's and he's saying, Yeah, I think he did, and they asked him would would you still go back to the neighborhood? He's all I fear for my life. He goes, I, I rarely go back there because I still conduct business in the area. He goes, but I always watch my back. He goes, but I'm scared for my life. So, in this the, is Nixon, right? 
Yeah, no, this is Dixon. This is the the. Oh, drug this is Pop. Yeah, this is Pop. All right. So you could see his interview on ESPN and or on uh, YouTube. It's there. Okay. Um. Why is he scared for his life if he's so bad? He's just playing a role. Well, that and the fact I I think he really knew that Marvin was capable of it. Yeah, so. but see, this is why you don't go to places acting like you own it and you do whatever you want and you demand things. That is true. He should have been a little humble when it comes to this, and I think you call this right because uh, someone knew his routine, and he sat down for eggs and pancakes and some Southern-style breakfast uh, on that fateful day um, on July 21st, 2009. Surveillance camera would capture Pop as he emerged from chopstick and fork and walked to his car. He looked over his shoulder, then got into his car and then started to make a phone call. As he sat in the car for about two and a half minutes, a six foot tall man in a black hoodie, white sneakers, ran up to the driver's side and shot multiple times through Pop's window. Ugh. Then the man sprinted uh, around the, the corner of the building. Uh, to the pa- or no, to the corner of the uh, car, the other side, the passenger side, and shot into the car again, and then fled. Uh, Pop would go to the hospital, and but on his way to the hospital, as he was shot multiple times, the police officer who ran with him in the ambulance as they were trying to stabilize him on the way to the hospital, they asked him who shot you, and he said, "You know who it is." And he said, Marvin Harrison. And Ooh. that would be the last words he would say because he spent the next two months in the Hananan, Hananaman hospital. I don't know what how the hell you say that, but sorry. Uh, <laughs> he got, yeah, something like that. I don't know. It sounds it sounds Jewish. I, I can't say it for, for anything, so I apologize. Um, but he got one of those tracheotomy tool, uh, tubes in his throat. Uh, mm-hmm. and it, jam- it jammed his windpipe so he really couldn't communicate so he was only able to communicate by blinking Dang. but um, he had been shot I think it was 6 to 8 times and he died on September 4th 2009 his body gave out Dang. yeah so with him dead according to multiple sources the knowledge of uh, the investigation the primary suspect in pop's murder was initially lonnie harrison marvin's cousin so acting on a tip police searched lonnie's uh, apartment looking for a gun the apartment was a tiny uh, room above deborah's kitchen another soul food place just down the block from the chopstick place so you have that connection right there um, but Lonnie hadn't been there for about a week or two, and there was no gun or any evidence to tie him to the murder, and no witnesses have ever come forward to identify Lonnie or anyone else as the shooter. Now, the uh, him being six foot, or at least from what they said, at least six foot and 185 pounds, that fits Marvin Harrison to a T. Marvin, yeah, Marvin was six one. Mm-hmm. Um... Here's the thing, though. They, the cops would recover a second surveillance tape because the first one came from a liquor store. The place that was right close to Chopsticks was, ironically, Playmakers. Mm. 
which was owned by Marvin Harrison. And when they asked for the tape, because the videotape was so clear, it was like Walmart uh, quality. Mm -hmm. Three minutes that they wanted to look at, it said computer error. The scenes were missing. Oh, yeah. I wonder why. How convenient. Yes. The time of the murder and a couple minutes after were magically missing. (laughs) Hmm. I wonder why. (laughs) And the only person who had uh, any kind of uh, access to that uh, security footage in the personal the office office. is Marvin Harrison. Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope this is it for this whole. You don't even know who he is, and you don't like him. <laughs> is he going to get away with? <laughs> well, uh, just as a man, uh, you know, it, it's funny because they have. The video on the video camera, the police say just as the shooter begins, like you see his, his foot and he starts to come around the corner, like running right towards the camera, the it blanks out. Yeah. And, and the police were like, There are no coincidences, says one police source. For the previous hour, the camera picked up every movement as it happened, and then it just blanks for this moment. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, in Indianapolis, when Marvin was still playing football, he ate most of his meals in a small cluster of fast food joints by the highway. There was a Wendy's, McDonald's, a sub shop, and a Chinese buffet. This is me right here, he once told ESPN's Susie Colbert, who was riding shotgun in his car. If Wendy's has a long line, I go right across the street to Mickey D's. He smiled and rubbed his hands. That's how it works. Uh, the Colbert clip is on YouTube, and it is an amazing thing because you you get to see how Marvin, in a rare, affectionate mood, he's talking about the perfect order in this world, from the mealtime meal routine to the way that he keeps his favorite snack foods secret, uh, secreted around his or, or secreted around his condo. Pillsbury Doughboy, he sighs, is one of my uh, bad uh, bad habits. Uh, cookie dough in the freezer, and he just he seems like a normal guy. But he's not. Yeah. Clearly. Clearly, he got some demons. Mm hmm. So, uh, <clears throat> this is now uh, a, an interview that he did, uh, or, or Robert Nixon did. Um, he, uh, he's, talking, he's talking to uh, ESPN as well, and a couple other people saying about how, with his attorney, how he's been having to live, like looking over his shoulder. Um, you know, how he, how he basically fears for his life and he was in the witness protection program for all of a year and a half before the police stopped paying his motel where he was, where he was hiding out outside the city and he just went about his own way. So Mm. poor guy, he, he, uh, he's, he's living in hiding because, and he hasn't returned back to the Philadelphia area because he feels like he's going to be killed you know because he, he knows too much basically wow and so in 2011 he was picked up for a drug con- uh, conviction when he was on probation and uh he was quoted by telling the newspaper um i've got five years and right now where i'm at um i'm the safest i am in here than i am on the streets ironic Wait, I, okay, wait, I didn't understand this whole part. Mm-hmm. 
Who well, was this? This is Nixon, right? Nixon. Yeah, Nixon is the Nixon is the uh, witness. Uh huh. Because now with Dixon dead, you know he can he can still implicate him and still hear from the streets and stuff like that. But he's been still getting harassing phone calls. Uh, okay. at times and, and like he was in a witness protection program then he got back on the streets he gets arrested and he's like it's ironic that jail jail is the safest place for me right now oh okay yeah. that's the part i missed okay sorry yeah. no that's okay now years would go by it's 2018 and he's already given his hall of fame speech about a year or two before i believe and um maybe three years before and all of a sudden, you could look up on YouTube, and it's on, it was heavily covered. It was all over social media in 2018 uh, by TMZ. Um, a man had, you know, because by this time, Harrison is in, is his, has invested in a couple apartment complexes and condos in the Philadelphia area. Mm -hmm. And someone owes Wait, him rent. So nothing happened when Dixon died? Nope. What? Nothing happened. That I'll get to that in a second. So <laughs> Harrison has an apartment complex and some guy owes him money, right? Mm -hmm. So you can look it up. The guy goes over and's like, hey man, this is how you treat your tenants, man. Like that's that's effed up, man. Like, like, come on, man. Like he's like, Where's my money? And you see Harrison on the dude's phone camera with a baseball bat with a Ugh. mean look in his face. And he's like, Where's my money? You owe me money. He's like, hey, bro, this is how you treat your tenants, man. Hey, hey. And the phone starts getting thrown around. And he's getting assaulted in the middle Dang. of the day by Marvin Harrison. Dang. Yeah, you can see it. And um, that just shows you all that good love that, you know, you see like on ESPN with these previous interviews and he's all happy go lucky at the Hall of Fame speech. And there's a very dark side to Marvin Harrison. And to end this story there is uh, a question I'd like to ask you guys do you think he did it because is he like his father and you know is there is there a continuing trend did, did he commit the murder or did he hire someone else to do it what are your thoughts and number two uh, Matt knows about this in a couple months Marvin Harrison's son will be drafted into the NFL. Yep. Marvin Harrison Jr. He's going to go top 10. And he's actually good. Yes. What do you guys think? Okay. The first question, did he do it? Oh. I'm going to say he did because it's just so coincidental that the video stops right when the murder is happening and a few minutes after. And if he didn't do it, he hired somebody, his you know, cousin or Lonnie Harrison, whoever it may be, to do it. So regardless, even if he did it personally or he hired, he's still part of it. Hire for murder. Yeah, but he asked, <laughs> do you think he did or did he hire? Yeah, I, I think he did it. I think he did it because he already showed that he he, he capable of busting, you know, already unloading the clip. So, you know, I think he did it. It's it's not foreign for him to shoot somebody, even though he's a high profile player or was. So I think he personally did it. And, um, you know, is it hereditary that he's like that? I, you know, sad to say, I think it is. I think it is. It's, it's in his DNA. 
What do you think, Gap? I'm gonna agree. He'd definitely do it. He already showed he wasn't afraid to kill him the first time he tried. The violence he has shown. He doesn't hold back at all. He'd have really no reason because he thinks he can do it all. He'd have no reason to hire anybody to do it. And if he had, he wouldn't be running toward that camera for his bar. The person he hired would be going the opposite direction and have no proof. That is true. I mean, this is him. Yeah, I'm agreeing with both of you guys because it's just I, I don't see how there's like a mountain of evidence in my mind. I mean, yeah, you could say, well, it's circumstantial. You don't have the actual video. Uh, they don't have the ballistics on this stuff. They were looking for the murder weapon. It was different. Uh, but you had the dying testimony from Pop, you know, who named him again. Um, you know, when I heard this story, I was like, you know, maybe it was going to be Pop that got the revenge because it seemed like if it was Marvin, Marvin was acting like the gangster. Like, no, you disrespected me. I'm going to put you out. You know, you come back to my neighborhood. I'm going to kill you. Mm -hmm. Like, like you wouldn't expect him because if you knew who this player was, Gabby, he was like your happy-go-lucky, like sort of Carlton of the NFL. Yeah. Hmm. He never ruffled anybody's feathers. Everyone, mm-hmm. you know. Not controversial at all. Exactly. Now, his running back, Edrin James at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he had issues, yeah. He had a little temper, but he was still good, though. But anyways, that's another story. Uh, yeah, he was very, uh, very quiet, uh, Marvin Harrison. And his son, like you mentioned, his son is really good. And now that you t- put this story out here, I had no idea about Marvin Harris, about this. It makes you wonder about what his son, you know? Well, that was a question I was going to ask you guys. Do you think he broke the chain? So if he was the murderer, do you think that, you know, hey, he's not going to allow his son to go down the same path as his uncles and his grandfather? Do you think mm. he stopped it? Because from all we know, Marvin Harrison is successful still in finance. And he lives in a nice area, and he's got a wife he's been married to for a while, and they have kids. Okay, you just told me this whole damn story. You just pissed me off because you're telling me that this mother effer is still free. He's still free, yeah. He never paid for anything. This is an ongoing case. Like, there's the, the Philadelphia PD have even thrown it over to the FBI to investigate. I know he's still free because I just saw him uh, not too long ago because they were talking about his son. Yep. He'll yeah. be there on draft day. Yeah, he'll be there on draft day. So I know he's still free. And it's 2024. That happened in 2018? Yeah, the last incident yeah, was 2018. As far as they're oh. concerned in Philly, they, he took out a drug a drug dealer. So he might not. they might not even push it. Yeah, but that still doesn't matter. You I'm are still a danger to the community. And I don't care how much you've helped them. You hold back at nothing. When your anger strikes, you don't care. You don't think. You just do. And people like that are dangerous. Yeah, murder is murder. And, I mean, he, he yeah. could have killed that two-year-old. He could have killed Nixon. Mm-hmm. So It makes no sense to me. Yeah. This this case you was have all this freaking proof, and you're gonna tell me it's not him. Oh, come on. Oh yeah, it's him. Do uh, I think the cycle will break with his son? I don't even know him, but by the sounds of the story, at least for him, it's ran in the blood all the way. 
Well, let's just hope his son doesn't get angry during draft day and, you know, snap and hit somebody or something. Yeah, I mean, that's you, you got to think. I mean, it's not coincidence for all three brothers to do something criminal, you know, or be that way because we know all three of them have tempers. Yeah. So and- even because even if you didn't believe the shooting stuff just look at that video man marvin harrison doesn't he looks like any street thug out there man he doesn't there look, you go. he doesn't look like a guy who's worth millions and is uh or even a manager of an apartment he looks like he's you know you owe him money he's a loan shark type deal oh marvin yep marvin harrison he would actually be pretty good be worried then for that day what's that well no no not for draft day no, no. why Probably people don't even know about this story. I didn't know about the story, and I follow football. Yeah, this is one that's been... This is one that's like... I guess in 2018, TMZ tried to push that, but it didn't really get the... Because everyone always thinks of Marvin... Oh, that's Marvin Harrison, man. Yeah. Like, like nobody looks at him as a bad guy. I didn't. But he's got a ton of skeletons in his closet. closet. He could be... A murderer that's never been charged or at least took into a task on it he's never never gone to trial even and that's kind of scary because you know like you said the nfl protects this product and mm-hmm. so you know you hear about all these stories about um you know domestic violence and you know um you know all these uh batteries assault and batteries that the players go through you'll hear about it but Who's to say, you know, you never know what they do to, uh, you know, to these players. Yeah, they'll probably publicly suspend them and this and third, but it's probably a slap on the wrist. Of course it is. Because they make the money. Yeah. Yep. So, can you say the NFL... Who knows how much other crap they sweep under the rug. Well, the NFL could be a cause of it because they just, it's like a, it's like a spoiled baby. Oh, he's just, it's okay. Let him, you know, let him be, you know, they're awarding his behavior. Pretty much. Uh, But still, I still think he did it. I still think he did it. And I I hope uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. isn't like his father or his uncle or his grandfather. Let's hope he breaks the cycle. Because he's actually pretty good. He's a good kid. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that well, that's what, it appears he is. (laughs) (laughs) think of all of them yeah but we can't judge until you know we see it but uh dang i didn't know that about marvin harrison yep good old marvin well not that marvin but yeah uh, (laughs) (laughs) but no marvin harrison man i mean that's the story right there it's 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 technically an ongoing case yeah i'm sure that case will never be solved oh i'm sure not yeah i mean look all I can say is that this case was like a whodunit, more of an opinionated, unsolved type deal. We don't usually do these. Like We usually have them that have, they're mostly concluded at some point. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'll say it like I said it off air before we started. You know, had you guys been along for the last couple episodes, especially the one we did with James, uh, man, the 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 amount of wang you want uh, that Gabby would have wanted to cut <laughs> off, I don't I don't know if a guy was packing enough, even if he was the biggest <laughs> in the world, because uh, it would it would have pissed off Gabby. I'm telling you, man, it, to hear her rant after that one, man, I'm telling you, that's what he's <laughs> Yeah, 
Damn. I hate these stories, Todd. I hate these that are not resolved and there's people just go scot-free. Nothing happens. It's, it's not even about the fact that he killed the drug dealer because I'm sure a lot of people won't miss him. Mm -hmm. But it's, you're still committing murder. You're still taking lives. You're still showing aggression to people that have done nothing to you and you're acting like you run the world. It's not right. Just walk off and keep on living your life. Well, you know what they say about karma. It can be a female dog. It may it may come back at some point, but when I don't know. But here's the thing too, like you know how Peyton Manning's always in the media and those those two were tied at the hip the entire oh, time. Oh, tied at the hip. Yeah, how they were uh playing together the entire careers almost. And, um, you know, Peyton hardly talks about if at all and kind of avoids the question when brought up about Marvin Harrison in any way, even when they, they, they want to talk, you know, positive, mm -hmm. he's never one to bring it up. So you kind of think, did he know something? Does he suspect something? Does he just want to keep his hands clean of it? Who knows? Probably a little bit of all three. Yeah. Might know something, not a lot. Might not want to, you know, keep his hand clean, and also don't want to talk about it. Hey, no, I, yeah, that's because Peyton reminds me of the, you know, your hard nose, nine to five guy. I'm just here to work, give, you know, do the right thing type of guy. So I, I don't, he don't strike me as somebody that would even want to talk about it. Then he is not do the right thing kind of guy. Well, that's what I'm saying. It could be all, a little bit of three. He might know. He might have his suspicion, but he might not want to know. He might just nope. Uh, uh, you're telling me if you have a best friend for years who you're always stuck with, they're not going to know your dirty crap. Come on. You yeah. have to have watched Peyton Manning. Oh, and you gotta Harris. go. You just. <laughs> you could be at a point of one of those friends that. When it comes to your best friend, you're going to protect them at all costs. You have no morals when it comes to it. You're never going to, like, throw them out there and say what you know because that's your best friend. You got their back no matter what. Well, that's what I'm saying. Peyton seems like the type that don't even want to know about it. Like, hey, you know, I just respect him and remember him as my go-to guy on the football field. What he does in his personal life, that's between Marvin Harris and Marvin Harris only. That's what he strikes me as. You agree, Todd? I would say so. He could be like that, or or just it, it makes him uncomfortable where he doesn't even want to talk about it. Yeah, because Peyton was not controversial whatsoever. Yeah, and he and he's one of these guys that has an image too. So like anything that would be on the outside, because it, it's even like that with um, like when they talk about the greatest receivers of all time, mm -hmm. like they don't even bring up Marvin Harrison, and he has numbers as one. Oh, of he them. got numbers. Yeah, as one of the greatest of all time. And he's never brought up, really, because of this whole controversy. The NFL just sort of forgets that he was one of the best players yeah. for a long time. Yeah. yeah. And he's a Hall of Famer, too. Yep. So. Well. well. I hate you. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you got to look at his highlights. It might change your mind. What? 
<laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. No, but uh, that's the story of Marvin Harrison. If you don't know who he is, look at his highlights. It might change your mind. Okay. But um, <laughs> we're going to leave it at that. Uh, thanks, Todd Fox, for breaking down that story. I really didn't know about that. So that that that's definitely something that um, is intriguing. Now I got to look that up. Um, yeah, check it out. Yeah. So thank you for that. And we thank you guys for listening in. Um, once again, if you want to listen to us, Follow us on our page, of course, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, YouTube. Just type in Grinding True Crimes. Uh, listen to us on your podcast streams. You know where it is. If you don't know, press play from the beginning, and you you know where to find us. <laughs> yeah. So with, with all that being said, we're going to sign off here. But before we do, I want to let you all know, this is Grinding True Crime with your host, Maddie Mack, along with Gabby Gab and Todd Fox. We're out of here. Toodles. Peace. Live from Philadelphia since you leave him alone, man. You leave him alone. Agent! <laughs>